the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Happy Friday and welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, normally joined by Ian Simpkins at this time, but Ian is up in the north woods of Wisconsin, I believe, uh, with high school students from his church, a community Christian church. So uh, ironically, I think Ian will come back more rested from that than when he, <laughs> when he goes, although he is bringing his kids as well. So uh, he'll be gone for uh, the better part of next week as well. So be praying for him, be uh have him. He uh, gets to spend a lot of time teaching kids and uh, proclaiming the gospel to high school students and hopefully having a good time. Uh, but anyway, you can follow us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show online at 1160hope.com. Find our podcast wherever it is you find your podcast. Well, with Ian gone, uh, it gives me the opportunity just to bring in some friends, bring in some interesting people. And uh, I, I dug deep into the bag today and have my old college roommate, one of my old college roommates here today, uh, Griffin Sontag. So, Griff, how are you, bud? Great, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Could you imagine back at Wheaton College, 1999, if we were like, man, we're going to do a radio show sometime. That would, that would have been something. Although, although last time Griffin and I had headphones on together, we were uh, calling Wheaton College Athletics. We were the uh, we were the broadcasters. And I would like to think the 11 people that listen to those broadcasts thought they were done pretty good. No doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. Those cassette tapes are still yes. somewhere in the memory box. I could tell you were there. They're in my basement. No, they're in my uh, crawl space, but... Uh, I need to pull those out and I'm going to make my kids listen to them. That'd be fantastic. That was fun. For those of you, we went to Wheaton College and uh, Griff and I lived together with some other guys and Griff and I did do the sports broadcasting. And at that time, literally, I'm not sure that the signal got off of campus. It might have gone a couple blocks off of campus, but we still thought we were big time. But uh, we're now at the age of 42, so we've gotten much older and uh, you are... Uh, the principal of Pleasant ha- Pleasantdale Middle School in Burr Ridge. Curious, uh, I know you were a teacher, but how did you become a principal? How do you end up in kind of that head chair uh, of a middle school? Yeah, it's a um, good story. Interesting um, time. I started off as a teacher uh, out in, in Wheaton, actually, mm-hmm. uh, in District 200, and uh, spent five years there. Um, when you're teaching, uh, oftentimes you, you look to continue to, to grow and learn. Um, I pursued my master's degree and really had a choice between curriculum and instruction mm-hmm. or educational leadership um, and chose the educational leadership route. Um, and from there, um, secured my, my certification, my licensure to, to be able to be a principal. Uh, it's called a uh, Type 75. And... Um, Pursued administration, uh, first became an assistant principal out at Clarendon Hills Middle School, uh, spent two years doing that, and then uh, was hired as the principal at Clarendon Hills Middle School, spent 10 years 
as the principal there. And then uh, just a little over two years ago, I left Clarendon Hills and headed out to Pleasantdale Middle School in Burr Ridge. Um, and um, really, I'm just loving the experience. That's awesome. There. I've got, we're going to get to this. I've got a ton of questions about junior high kids and stuff. Um, uh, we're, so we are going to get to that. But a little bit of background. So you're a principal, which means, you know, summer's off. Wonderful. Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Principals, many principals work uh, year round. There's so much to do. Um, working on hiring people as we speak to, wow. to uh, fill the the faculty and the staff. And then um, lots of planning for the year with, with yeah, staff meetings yeah. and professional development and um, you know technology training, all sorts of things. So as somebody who has a job where people say, what's it like to just work on Sundays? I, I know how annoying that can be. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, uh, I have an uncle who insists on saying that every time I see him and thinks, continues to think it's funny. Uh, but before getting into the school thing and the principal thing, uh, another weird connection. You and I went to college together. We were, uh, I believe, in, if I remember right, in each other's wedding, stuff like that. But you yep. attend... Uh, Community Christian Church, where the teaching pastor there is one Ian Simpkins. So uh, he's not here. He's not listening. So <laughs> uh, what a uh, little, little, little dirt, little background. Ian Simpkins as a preacher, as a leader. What, give us something on Ian. You know what? Ian's, Ian, Ian's great. I don't yeah. know if that's exactly what you're looking for. <laughs> I knew but, you'd say that. <laughs> uh, Ian's great. And um, we've, we've been attending there. Uh, for for a few years, actually, we remember when Ian came and guest guest preached. Yeah. Um, prior to being hired on as the teaching pastor uh, at the Yellow Box, and um, he's great. Uh, we've got kids in the youth programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just they just love him. And I mean, I listen to the show. Mm-hmm. You hear him here. He's he's the same. He's so authentic, and um, he just relates so well with people. Yeah. Oh, we do love the story where he fell out of a hammock on the stage. I don't know if you were there for that one. I was. We, we I was. bring that one up many times. And uh, yeah, a little self-deprecating. We're not going to get into the fact that Griff used to go to my church and now, now it goes to Ian's church. We're not, not going to go down that path. But <laughs> It was completely geographical. The reasoning for switching had nothing to do with the lead pastor at Four Corners Community I, church. I would like to hear some feedback from people if you believe that is true. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There was a, And Griff even still will play occasionally on our church softball team, so... Uh, which I've hung the spikes up from because I am a daily uh, pulled hamstring. Uh, yeah, that is that. So before we jump into the school stuff, tell me, uh, kids, uh, marriage, give it, give it, give our listeners a little background on um, just uh, who you are and uh, kind of your family and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, married um, wife Jessica is a director of special education, so we uh, we can talk shop mm-hmm. uh, outside of work, which is great. Um, and we've got four four children. Um, we are at fifteen, thirteen. Uh, 12 and 10 right Ooh. now. So uh, although I my work is with junior high students, Pleasantdale Middle School's fifth through eighth grades, and then I, I go home and uh, we've got three that are fifth to eighth grade uh, coming up this fall. So um, and one in high school getting ready to drive. So does she have her? Uh, does she have her, she permit? Has her permit? So does Madeline. Yes. So I've told everyone I've yep. got a I've got a 15 year old as well. Uh, that's a, that's something, that's something. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Uh, although Madeline's really good. Like I'm, I'm less nervous and, and my wife is much less nervous than I thought she'd be. I thought she'd yep. be the terrified one, but yep. Emma's a great driver as well. So, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun being on this, this end of it. Yep. When you think back to being that age and learning to drive yourself, now you're, you're guiding them and, and helping them learn and grow. Do you ever look in the mirror and be like, how are we this old? All the time. <laughs> All the time. I, I look and say, who is that guy? I 
exactly. And why is his beard white? Like, exactly. I just took people who listen know this. I just took Madeline, so my fifteen year old, to California for a wedding, and halfway through the trip, I texted Carrie, my my wife, and said, uh, "She's like a young woman." Like we're mm-hmm. having adult conversations mm-hmm. at the wedding. I'm doing the wedding. So I look out and she's interacting with people like there's no randomness. And I was like, she's like uh, like she and now she's driving and like I'm taking her to her friend's houses all the time. It's I don't know, man. I, I look in the mirror all the time and I go, when did that happen? Yeah. Like, I still feel like we're making Taco Bell runs at Wheaton and just kind of staying up late playing Madden and now I'm asleep by 9.30. Totally. It's gone so fast and uh, yeah. it's just a reminder to, to appreciate each and every day. Absolutely. So this is uh, my good friend and former college roommate Griffin Sontag. Uh, but he's not just here because uh, I needed a buddy to fill time, but instead I want to talk specifically uh, about students and junior high students, the, the the ones that he works with. I also want to talk about parents. I just know we have a lot of parents who listen to the show. And then I, I want to end our time talking about what is it like to be a follower of Jesus in the public school. Uh, and uh, so I think those are some really interesting things. So we hope that you will stay with us. Again, my name is Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, online at 1160hope.com, or you can uh, download our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast: Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you do. We ask that you subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we, we often hear of people uh, who are uh, podcasters. In fact, I'm joined by Griffin Sontag again. Uh, are you are you a podcaster? You say you listen to us, or do you actually listen to the old school radio? No, uh, typically the podcast, uh-huh. um, but I'm not a podcaster yet. It's on my list, actually, as we talk about education, future. They're, um, we're redesigning our library and creating a space oh, where awesome. we should be able to record really well, and I'm hoping that that will be something that we... We move towards in the future. Oh, that's a really cool idea. Well, anyway, again, that's Griffin Sontag, not only uh, my old college roommate, but we have him here to talk about junior high students specifically, as Griffin is the principal at Pleasantdale Middle School in Burr Ridge. He's filling in for the first hour for Ian Simpkins. Ian is up working hard with high school students in northern Wisconsin, just burning it, man, teaching hard. So we hope that's going well uh, with his church. So, Griff, we, we talked earlier, again, that you are a principal at a middle school. Uh, junior high students, middle school students get a bad rap. So sometimes even on this show, we'll joke about them. But uh, I, you might remember out of college, when you and I got out of college, I, I took a job as a junior high director and a youth pastor. Uh, and now we have junior high students and high school students of our own. Mm-hmm. Um, wondering uh, how you would describe junior high students, middle school students today, and maybe how they're different from even when we were in middle school back in the day. But what are the common misconceptions? How would you describe students of today? Junior high and middle school students of today, um, I, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is they're just, they're so energetic, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if you can find what to focus them in on, they can do amazing things. Yeah. And I think oftentimes they do get that bad rap when they're bored, when they, you know, they're not interested in, in what they're learning or what they're doing, or um, they really, they will find other things to do and they will do things that, um you know, we'll get them in trouble yeah. or, or, or whatever. They're also figuring out who they are at this point. Mm. So they're exploring, they're trying new things. Um, 
you know, research shows that's the time when they start experimenting, seventh and eighth grade in particular. Wow. Um, whether it's drugs, alcohol, um, you know, relationships, those sorts mm. of things. That's all. It's all there and their body's changing, yeah. you know, emotions are changing. Um, it's really that awkward time that we remember. Um, so at our, at our school and at schools I've worked at, we really focus on trying to make it a, a safe environment for kids to grow, develop, ask questions, um, and, and learn about who they are yeah. and who they want to be as they grow up. Yeah. So we do it a lot on this show here talking about the role that technology plays now or everyone's on their phones, all this stuff. Um, I know, again, from watching my own kids, they have the ability just to navigate technology and stuff. But uh, again, I think junior high, high school students, the, the reputation is that they're just zombies on their phone. What role do you see technology playing uh, good and bad uh, in, in this next generation? Yeah, I think I mean I think we're heading for um for for some pretty major issues with with mm. how much technology kids are on um and even starting much younger than that. Um not to mention all the social media yeah. where the kids are you're already awkward enough. Your voice is changing. Yeah. You've grown the, you know, and and maybe the boys haven't or whatever. And then you see pictures and you see experiences that all these people are having. And I know even as adults, sometimes on, on Facebook and other social media, you start to like, think, what am I doing wrong? And, and what should I be doing? Yeah. Imagine if you were an uh, undeveloped, you know, emotionally, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old. Yep. I mean, I think it's one of the large reasons why we're seeing an increase in, in anxiety and depression and things like that in this age of, 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 Children. Yeah. So you are you would say that we are seeing a rise in those things. Anxiety, depression. What are some of the other things that we're seeing that are that you would even think are, you know, maybe social media is not the only reason or technology is not the only reason, but it's playing into it. So what what kinds of things behaviors? I mean, I mean, Mm. I think risky behaviors have always been happening, but now people are videotaping them and they're posting (laughs) them. And then you get the copycats. You get everybody trying to emulate that. I mean, what about water bottle flipping? I mean, there's yes. just a perfect example. That's not a risky behavior, fortunately, yep. but there are other ones um, that have been going on. Those um, there's just there's there's all the sorts tide of pods, tide right? pods. Yeah, so that's where I was thinking. But again, I don't want to promote that. Yeah, um, sorry, my bad. No, that's okay. You can promote it. It's my show. <laughs> it's your show. There you go. Um, but I, I, I just I do think that the kids. I mean, they're they're so craving attention, mm. um, and that's an interesting kind of sidebar. Is that. Um, when you ask kids about the devices, they don't think they're on them that much yeah. because they'll tell you that their parents are on them oh, just gosh. as much. Yeah. And, and I think they're, they're missing out on the attention from their parents That's and good. from other trusted adults. That's good. Uh, so you and I were talking a little off air that, that I'm curious how in this next generation of students, what does education look like? How is education different um, from how maybe we were educated as middle schoolers, what are kind of what's the front end of that right now? Yeah, I mean, and we are on the front end of it. I mean, the 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 really the game changer I think is that the internet is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, schools, teachers, libraries, colleges, and universities used to be um, the keepers of the knowledge, the keepers oh, of the information. Now the information is out there. Yeah. So now kids, but but people, kids have to learn how to sift through that that knowledge and that information. Mm. Know what's what's true, what's what's not true, what's accurate and not oh, fascinating. Um, so I think that's really important. And, and then, so that shifts the, the art and the craft of teaching yeah. and teaching junior high kids in particular, the information is there. They have to learn it in order to be able to use it and, and do things with it, create and build and, um, you know, do different 
whether it's technology or whether it's with their hands. Um, but teachers now, instead of being that person that's imparting the knowledge and, and lecturing, yeah. like we all kind of grew up with, now teachers are more facilitators of learning. Kids oh, are, are doing the learning and the teachers are there um, supporting that learning. They yeah. still are content specialists. They still know their stuff, um, but how they're imparting that information and, and um, forcing the kids or asking the kids to find that information is, is really this new newer craft that's, yeah. that's still developing, still evolving. Fascinating. Now, <clears throat> I know the reputation is also high, junior high students, high school students are much more stressed out. Uh, and because they're getting a lot more expectations. So we're going to talk next segment about parents um, and parenting. Uh, but is that your is that what you're finding? Are these kids feeling much more pressure than maybe we did in our day? Or is that a little overblown? Uh, I think some of both. I think yeah. I think the whole idea of every kid has to go to, you know, an Ivy League school or whatever is out there. And so there's that pressure from either parents or self-imposed. But then I also think I think it's the social pressure that's out there that's mm. so much greater. When when we when we went to school, if there was something an issue happening or whatever, um, we were able to go home, shut off your phone ringer, yes. and you you kind of are away from it. These kids are not away from it. Yeah. They are on it twenty four hours a day, and you know, and 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 they're just always 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 on. Yeah, especially with the new you know with like Snap where they're always taking pictures. So scary. The kids, <laughs> I mean, especially the girls, are always taking pictures of themselves. Wow. So I mean, they always have to be on. Yeah. Uh, what do you do with uh, what is the rules for uh, telephones for phones in school? Yeah, a lot of different schools have different things. Yeah, Some schools have it. Ours, uh, ours is off and away. So the rule used okay. to be in their locker during school, uh -huh. really hard. I don't like having rules at school where it's really hard to manage yep. them. Yep. So this one is it's off and away. But there there have been there was a recent study that came out that said if the phone is not in the room with the kid, the student um, learns more and better. Really? And so we'll wow. see where that ends up going. But even when it's off and away, a lot of the kids, it's not powered off, even mm -hmm. though that's what we ask them to do. So they're still feeling the buzz. Mm. And you and I know if you feel the buzz, yeah. I mean, you want to know what, what buzzed, why yep. did it buzz, what's happening. And that's, um, that's what the kids are feeling all day. Oh, man, that's fascinating. And we're going to now flip it. Coming up next, we're going to talk about how parent issues and parent issues, parenting junior hires uh, with this kind of new landscape, but also things parents uh, may or may not be doing well uh, culturally right now. We're going to tackle that next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. I feel like I need to talk like very casually with this music. I feel like there's almost like, oh, here it comes. Uh, I got a little better there. The beginning there felt a little funerally. <laughs> but, you know, roll of the dice with each one where the music comes up. I'm, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I am joined again by Griffin Sontag. Griffin is well, one of my old college roommates, but also the reason for that we have him in is the principal of Pleasantdale Middle School in Burr Ridge. And so I'm just fascinated to talk to him about uh, the, kind of this next generation, the junior high kids. So if you missed our last segment, I'd encourage you to go to the podcast because Griff had some great things to say about what are the pressures kids are feeling now? What are the how does it change the way they're educated? How do we set up our schools? Just some really fascinating stuff. But I want to go to parents now. Uh, and uh, you and I uh, are both parents of kids this general age. And um, Ian and I, I'll never forget, we did uh, an article or two within the last month about 
you know, before it used to be helicopter parents that have parents, but now they're called like lawnmower parents or snowplow parents. Like literally because they're, they not only just hover and watch their kid, but they're getting in front of them and clearing out all the obstacles. Uh, I don't want to get you in trouble. So take this whichever way you want. But are parents really hard at this age right now? Are you finding like even parents are different than maybe, you know, how, how maybe we remember our parents or our friends' parents being? Is it uh, is it overblown or is it actually true? Yeah, I mean, I without getting myself in trouble. Um, <laughs> exactly. You do yeah. have to deal with the parents. <laughs> no, and, and and I think it's not just at this age, but it's yeah. it's throughout. I think I think parents and I and I probably find myself doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you are there for your child, you'll do anything for them, you don't want them to to feel hurt or disappointment or any of those things. Um so yeah, I mean parents are are very much doing that and I think that's where um I think the problem really lies in that when the kids face disappointment for the first yep. time when they don't get that job or they don't get into that college or whatever it is that they're kind of those first disappointments. Mm-hmm. I think it really impacts the kids much more than if along the way they're having disappointments that are really small. Mm. Um, I know at, at each curriculum night that I do um, when parents come in for, for meet the teacher uh, at the end of my presentation, I have this quote from a parents magazine in 2007. I don't remember the exact quote, but it basically says like uh, parents to do, to, you know, to do your job, you know, let the kids fall down and, and scrape their knee mm. and let them screw up a little bit. Um, because that's going to help them grow more yeah. than if you snowplow everything out of yeah. your way. Why do you think we do that? Because I, I'm guilty as charged, right? Like, mm-hmm. again, I, I keep saying it so people know my context. I have a daughter who's going to be a sophomore in high school. I have a son who's going into the sixth grade, a daughter going into the fifth grade. And uh, I would never be like, I want to be a helicopter parent. I want it, But I feel the urge. I feel that urge. What do you think that comes from uh, over your years of watching parents and students? Why do you think we do that? I think we I think we think that if our kids make the team or mm-hmm. or have this experience or do whatever that that it's it's going to be so positive for them and so we don't we don't want them to feel to feel badly yeah. uh, badly about themselves badly about you know we're building self esteem at this point yep. so um you know but but I think what I remind parents of is is by you build self esteem by overcoming a challenge yeah. not by just having everything come easy or or um, or finding success all yeah. the time. What do you think the result of helicopter parenting or snowplow parenting when we project the kids going to college? Like you, you might see it at, you know, a seventh grader right now. But what about when that seventh grader becomes a college kid or an adult? What do you think the results are going to be of this? Yeah, I mean, one, one of the things that I'm, <clears throat> I'm kind of fascinated, I was uh, reflecting, thinking about this uh, doing the show today. And I'm, I'm curious that that success post high school um, maybe even in that first year of college, um, I think a lot of schools and a lot of districts track where students go um, post high school, whether okay. they're going into the trades or they're going to college or taking a year off or yep, whatever. Yep. Um, I'm curious to know how many choose to go to a four year school and then come home. Yep. And and, and I don't think that they're not prepared academically mm. at many of the schools, um, you know, most schools in our area. But um, I think it's those other skills, those other yeah. factors, whether it's getting along with each other uh, or whether it's um, all the other, you know, laundry and cooking <laughs> and all these other things that are going to eat away at your time 
that maybe in certain places people, other people are doing for you. Yeah. The issue in our college uh, uh, experience was cleaning. Cleaning, for certain. (laughs) It was laundry, cleaning, and the like. And uh, yeah, I totally get that. We read an article a couple, uh, probably a month ago, where it literally said at Ivy League schools, they're having issues with parents. These like your smartest kids. And parents are calling their kids to wake them up for class. Right. Parents are calling the professors. And the professors are like, what the heck? Like, I remember... You know, again, I sound like the old guy, but when I was in college, I talked to my parents once a week on Sunday afternoon because we didn't have cell phones and right. any of this. So uh, maybe speak to the parents out there then. Uh, and again, we're speaking a little bit to ourselves. So this isn't pointing at people, telling sure. them what they're doing wrong. Uh, speak to the parents out there. Maybe give a couple piece of, uh, pieces of advice that even like this might be something hard to do, but maybe these are some things that are going to set your kids up for greater success as they get older. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think one goes back to the technology. I yeah. think I think having the technology um, not with the child when they go to bed, um, go get an alarm clock. Wow. Don't use their phone as the alarm clock or their 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 device. Um, have a charging station. Um, know all their their um, passcodes. Mm-hmm. Go in their phones. Look through them. Look around. See what's happening in there. You don't have to do it every day. You don't yeah. have to do look at every post and every. But you should do that. I think that's I think our kids part of the anxiety and depression also is that kids are having a, a less sleep, less quality sleep. Interesting. Whether it's from because the, of their phone, well, whether it's the light or mm. whether it's uh, just if you give a, a junior high, middle school kid their phone at night, many of them can't not mm. be on it. Fascinating. Um, so I think technology is the first one in terms of sleep and um, and just keeping tabs on where they're at. I'm over one. My high school now, my high school daughter, she knows that I yep. can get onto her phone at any time. But her phone sits right next to her bed. <laughs> yeah, and when you get to the point, you know, when you get to a point, I think they can manage it. But yeah. and that's where you have to. You're the parent. You know yep. your child best. I think the other two, kind of two big ones, are independence. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about it all the time, but do we really, you know, support and foster independence in our kids? Um, you know, even as simple as you know, at times, if you want to, if if they're sitting down to a, a meal and you want to offer to get them a drink, that's great. But when they expect that you're going to yeah. place that drink in addition to interesting, that's I think I think independence. So yeah. starting to move towards doing a little bit of the laundry or the dishes or whatever things, if those aren't part of your normal routines. Um, and then I think just simply making helping kids and teaching them how to how to learn. Okay. The world now is going to be very different than 50 years from now. And so they have to learn how to learn mm. and learn how to adapt. What does that mean? How, what does it look like? Learn how to learn. You know what? I think, um, I, I mean, you get something, you bring something in. Uh, we just got some new shelves for our garage. Mm. Um, instead of just, you know, me going out in the garage or me and my wife going out in the garage and, and working on that project, include the kids. Uh, um, if you don't know how to do something, um, I think for a lot of parents, YouTube is this like time suck where mm-hmm. it's not there's there's all the kids do is watch video games or people playing video games and that's not worth it at all youtube is awesome yeah. when there's a project when there's something you got to do watch a youtube video pick the five minute one instead of the 30 minute one <laughs> learn yeah. and then do it and yeah. kids need to do that too and I, I don't know that we're explicitly teaching them how to do that and parents can support that by doing things with their kids that's like good. that 
Man, now I feel really guilty. My son the other day was asking to mow the lawn. I'm like, nope, that's my time. <laughs> but no, we're going to teach him. We're going to yeah, teach might, him. Might, might, might give that one up. <laughs> you like, go for a walk. <laughs> it's like that's Walk dad back time. and forth somewhere else walk if that's what you want to do. Why is that guy walking back and forth up the road? Man, those are really good. And parents, like I also know the one you said last segment where a lot of kids are, when they're on their phones a lot, they say, well, my parents are. And yeah, that is totally yes. guilty. I, there are so many times I've told my kids, get off your phone. And yeah. I'm like, find myself holding my phone. Uh, so those are really good ones we challenge you with. So, well, Griff's going to stay with us uh, one more time. This is Griffin Sontag, for, uh, the principal of Pleasant, uh, Pleasantdale uh, Middle School. I keep wanting to say Pleasant Hill because that's remember Carrie was a, my wife was yep. a PE teacher there. Yep. Pleasantdale, I'm going to get this right. Uh, when we come back, I've got a couple questions about the future of education, public education. Also, what's it like to be a Christian principal? And what is that? What kind of things do you have to navigate there? That's coming up next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Usually alongside Ian Simpkins. I'm Brian Fromm. Well, I'm still Brian Fromm, but usually with Ian Simpkins. But he is not here today. Uh, Ian is uh, out. We'll hopefully be back soon. But uh, in his chair uh, for the first hour here, uh, my old college roommate Griffin Sontag is joining us. But uh, we brought in Griffin specifically uh, to speak about junior high kids and parents and that kind of next generation. Because Griff is a principal at Pleasantdale Middle School in Burr Ridge. Uh, man, this has been fun. Yeah, yeah it has been. Good. We should uh, we should go golfing and continue this conversation. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Right now, uh, uh, give me a little bit of time. All right. <laughs> Don't tell Carrie though. Don't tell her I'm at delayed up here. Oh wait, I just said that, didn't I? <laughs> but man, it's been fun. Uh, Griff and I graduated from Wheaton College together in 1999, and uh, now now we're two old guys with kids who are getting older and getting nearer to college. And so this has been fun. Well, as a principal, I kind of got two more directions I want to go. Just anything we haven't touched about the future of education. I think a lot of our listeners, there are some who are pro-public education, some who aren't. What do you kind of see as the future uh, that might be different from the present or the past in education? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the the, the personalization of education and the technology um, really is is the difference maker going forward. Mm. Um you know, there are different platforms that are still in, you know, truly in their infancy in terms of um, how to personalize uh, the education for each child. Start with where they're at and then moving them forward, whether that's in their reading skills or or their math skills uh, or problem solving, um, you know, obviously science yep. and, and the rest of the subjects. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's. You know, there are districts doing it without technology, kind of moving in that personalization direction. But I think the technology, um, I mean, we we even have some programs where, you know, the students know the areas, um, say, in math that they're stronger or weaker in. Yeah. And then they get on their device and they're able to work through problems and, and watch videos of lessons to learn the material that they aren't as good at. Yeah. And, and you know, I think the technology can really level that playing field um, across the board as long as, as schools have it. Oh, that's really cool. Now, things like music, art, PE, uh, are those, uh, you always read about how the kids are getting that less. Is that true? Or is that something you fight for? How do you navigate that with all the other stuff you have to do? Right. I mean, you may have seen that there's a there was an email that went around for a while that talked about, you know, what schools taught in 1900 and oh. then what they added in 1910 and 1920. You can find it on the Internet, I'm sure. But the list is 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 humongous now with whether it's mandates, whether it's, um, 
you know, just things that we that we that we should cover, need to yeah, cover. Yeah. How life has changed, um, technology has changed, everything else. So um, it's hard. It's hard. So um, and then the accountability factor. Yeah. You know, we have not, in my opinion, found uh, the best way to um, label schools in terms of successful or not. Um, and you know, we still rely heavily on test scores, um, which. Mm. It should be one component. I mean, you should have some sort of um, measure in that respect. But oftentimes, if you go to school rankings and things like that, it's very much based on on test scores. Yeah. Um, so because of that, then the the arts and the other parts of um, teaching kids how to um, you know hone their creativity and and become um, imagine imaginative thinkers and yeah, so forth. Yeah is really is really lost in in certain areas in certain schools so um i i mean i i fight for that i fight mm. for um you know social emotional learning we need kids to be learning about themselves how to respond to yeah. situations um and to learn about others and learn empathy and um how to react in um you know when situations yeah, face them yeah. The other thing that um, oftentimes still at the elementary and middle school level, which I think is appropriate, um, but we need to start moving towards the creation of content with kids. Oftentimes right now we're still, they're just the consumers of yeah, content. Yeah. Um, you know, I push on, on my son, he's uh, you know watching a lot of videos and, and all sorts of things. And, and I say, you're pretty good at that stuff. Why don't you screencast, record yourself, start a channel and who knows who's going to watch you? Yeah. And, you know, he's not interested in that. He's interested in watching others and then playing. But I really think schools, when you mentioned podcasts at the very beginning, yeah. I think schools could do a great service for kids to teach them how to how to make podcasts, how to screencast, Absolutely. how to make memes, how to do. I mean, this is a whole nother part of, yeah. of what's out there now and I think is going to be out there um, for years to come. Absolutely. So I want to close us down this route. Uh, you, uh, again often read articles or you get this general feel, especially in the evangelical world that, you know, for lack of a better word, the public schools are a godless place, right? Like you can't talk about your faith. You can't, it's hard to be a Christian. And we have to talk about that with our, as in, as it relates to our students. Uh, What's it like to be a Christ follower and to be a principal in a public school? What's difficult in that? And what would people not understand where it's not that big a deal? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it depends on where you are. It depends yeah. on the relationships that you build with, um, you know, your greater school community. Um, you know, there are there are many uh, families in my school now that wouldn't know that I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many families who do know that yeah. I'm a Christian, and and oftentimes, um, you know, I'm trying to lead by example um, in terms of my faith and my Christianity. Um, but you know, when it presents itself, then. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to, to, to share and talk about, um, my faith. Oftentimes uh, I'm careful in that I let other people kind of share with me them and then I'm able to reciprocate. Um, but you also have to, to strike that balance in, in your policies and in, uh, the way that you, you manage your school. Um, there may be students or parents or staff members who are, um, you know, different than, yeah. than me or have very different beliefs than I do. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I love them the same mm-hmm. and I'm going to treat them the same. And um, I have grown tremendously by, by working in the public school yeah. um, and have faced many uh, situations that have tried my, you know, maybe my faith or my beliefs. But um, in the end, as a public school principal, 
I have I have laws to follow for I sure. Have, uh, uh, you know, policies to follow from our school board, um, and and then I just I do what's right for the kid. Yeah. As they I, grow forward. I think it's always telling when people in the public school send their own kids to the public school. Absolutely. Right? It always scares me when I hear like a principal in our district and their kids go to whatever. And I was like, what do you know that I don't? Yeah. Uh, and so clearly you guys have made a decision. We're going to we believe in the public school system enough. What do you think's uh, uh, not next for you? But, you know, as we close, going to be principal for a long time. Until we, uh, you and I are hanging out in our retirement years. What do you think's next? Or are you enjoying this? Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I have my licensure to, to, to move up to the next levels um, if I wanted to uh, pursue. Next level, like a superintendent Like or a superintendent, yep. yeah, or even an assistant superintendent okay. or even director over at the district office. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I love being with the kids. I love um, working with the staff. And um, I just really love to help people grow and, um, you know, working, you can do that at those levels yeah. for sure. Um, at this level, it's very, it's, it's very personal. Yeah. I mean, I am, I am involved with, uh, all 400 of our students, um, you know, and, and more than 40 staff members yeah. um, at our school. So, um, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if I am a principal for the rest of the time. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, if, uh, you know, if I moved, moved to the next else. level and, uh, tried something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, thanks. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, now we can go. Uh, we can tell college stories off the air. But, you know, I think we got out of here without getting ourselves in trouble. So thanks for having me, Brian. <laughs> thanks, this, was, this was a blast. This has been Griffin Sontag joining us. He's the principal again at Pleasantdale Middle School in Burr Ridge. Uh, first hour's done here. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for being with us here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome to The Common Good on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Happy Friday. Hopefully your uh, your work day is over and you are heading home and ready for the weekend. Uh, nice summer weekend coming up, hopefully, in front of us. Uh, we are hope that you're having a great week and then looking forward to a good weekend. Again, my name is Brian Fromm. Ian Simpkins normally joins me, but he is uh, not in town this week. And so uh, been having people fill in. Hopefully, if you didn't hear our first hour with Griffin Sontag, he's my old college roommate, but also... For uh, for the conversation we had, he is a principal, the principal at Pleasantdale Middle School in Burr Ridge. Talked just fascinating. So much good stuff in there about uh, what he thinks that sees in junior high students and that next generation, the issues of technology, uh, overprotective parents, kind of that snowplow parents, other stuff, future of education. Oh, man, good stuff. Good stuff there. I'd encourage you to hop on the podcast uh, if you... Uh, if you did, we're not able to hear that. You can find our podcast at Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Well, uh, I'm going to take us home for the rest of the show, do it myself here, and uh, want to jump into a couple uh, particular stories that caught my eye. And the first one is a little bit crazy, and and I want to read it to you and let you digest it a little bit. Uh, it is a sports story out of ESPN. Uh, and it says this, the lawyer of Adrian Peterson says Peterson is in debt, trusted the wrong people. 
Washington Redskins running back Adrian Peterson. Now, if you're not a sports fan, let me give you a little background on Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is one of the best running backs of all time. Spent most of his career so far up to this point with the Minnesota Vikings. uh, And undoubtedly one of the most gifted and good running backs there is. Now he's near the end of his career. And he is on the Washington Redskins. And his lawyer said that Adrian Peterson was, quote, trusting the wrong people and is deep in debt after making $100 million during his NFL career. Peterson is being sued for failing to repay a $5.2 million loan, the Athletic reported. According to the Athletic, Peterson owes, after interest and legal fees, $6.6 million dollars. Uh, to D'Angelo Vehicle Sales, which claimed in a lawsuit in New York that Peterson had defaulted on his loan. Peterson had borrowed money from the lending company to pay off other creditors. He also must pay a combined $3 million to two other creditors. Here's what his attorney said. The truth behind Adrian Peterson's current financial situation is more than is being reported at this time. Because of ongoing legal matters, his attorney said that he is unable to go into detail, but I will say this is yet another situation of an athlete trusting the wrong people and being taken advantage of by those he trusted. Adrian and his family look forward to sharing further details when appropriate. And the article continues to go and lay out uh, some of his legal problems. And it says the Redskins reports training camp Wednesday. Peterson will enter camp competing with Darius Geis for the starting running back position. He currently is in the middle of a two-year deal worth up to $5 million. That includes annual incentives of $1.5 million. So what? why do I bring this up? A, because it is unbelievably dumbfounding to me. I, I, I'm try, I'm having trouble getting my mind around it, and I, I want to. We'll then turn this to, to a little more compassion, but but I, w- I want to say this: How does one uh, make nearly 100 million dollars during their NFL career, and then before their career is even over, be in debt? And before you think, wow, this is a crazy situation. There's a great 30 for 30 that ESPN does. You could probably Google it, look on YouTube. There's a 30 for 30 documentary called Broke about the litany of professional athletes who made millions and tens of millions, some of them even hundreds of millions of dollars, and within years after their retirement were broke because of bad investments, uh, listening to the wrong people, but also just not being smart with their money. And uh, Peterson, it's now stuff has come out that he's got, um, I think it's like 11 kids with 10 different women, so you've got all sorts of payments to make there. Uh, he, somebody posted pictures of his 30th birthday party that cost it, that he threw for himself that cost a couple million dollars, uh, and things like that, just frivolous spending. And so the first thing is just dumbfounding. Just how do you even get to this point? But then I want to move to this, uh, and say, and say that, um, managing our money can be hard and managing money correctly can be hard. Uh, and, and as the Christ follower, as Christ followers, what I want to say is that the Bible has a lot to say about how to manage your money. Uh, so most of us out there, probably all of us, are never going to have $100 million to our name. But I do want to ask this question. Uh, how do you manage your money? And you might be like, well, what's a Christian station talking about how I manage my money for? Well, I would put it this way as a pastor. It's a this is this is uh, an issue of of deep importance because Jesus himself spoke about money 25 I think it is percent of the time more than anything else he spoke about in the gospels um 
Jesus spoke about money, the love of money, the danger of money, the opportunity of money. And so I just want to throw, I want to use this as a jumping off point and ask a couple questions about how you view money. Okay. If you're a Christ follower, I want to ask how you view your money. The Bible tells us not that money is evil, but that the love of money is evil. Do you love money? That he says that the love of money is evil. What does it look like to love money? I think it's when that's what you wake up thinking about. That's what you crave. That's what you want more of. Uh, and, and the Bible also speaks often about this concept of contentment. Uh, that contentment uh, is, is really important. Uh, being content with what you have. Understanding that God loves you and will take care of your needs. That we can be content. Let me give you uh, some more Bible passages uh, the Bible says this, um, not only is the love of money the root of all evil, uh, but also that we are going to serve one of two gods. And let me remind you what those gods are in scripture in this passage, that one is God, one is our heavenly father. And you would think the other Satan, the world, other things the Bible often talks about. No, it says, it says you're either going to worship God, you're going to serve God, or you're going to serve and worship money. And friends, that should really give us pause in a, in a capitalistic society that says, get all that you can get, uh, which I'm all for, you know, capitalism's great, but, but here's the question. Uh, if the Bible says you're going to worship one or the other, I'd like to ask you to do a little self-reflection and say, which one are you worshiping? What do you see the point of your money as? Because friends, money is just a tool. Money is an opportunity. If you've been blessed with a lot of money, then the question is, how are you going to use that money to bless other people? Quite frankly, when I read the Adrian Peterson story, while it sounds like he got scammed and wasn't wise and didn't plan well, it also sounds like he spent really frivolously on just things that don't matter that now he probably regrets. If you read about this 30th birthday party in this article, it talks about, you know, the camels that were flown in and the, and the various animals and the people that were flown in the celebrities. It's just craziness. So whether you have a lot or a little, what do you see as the point of your money? Why do what can you do with your money? Is your money there for you to just spend on yourself and your own uh, moving yourself forward and your own self gratification? Or regardless of how much you have, is your money there so that you can use it to make an eternal impact and further Christ's kingdom? See, those are two completely different things. One of them is using money as a tool to worship God. One of them is using money as a tool to make an eternal impact and further God's kingdom. The other one is using money as the, the, uh, the idol to be worshiped and to be used on ourselves. So how do you use money? And I'd remind you of that last story, uh, that one parable in, in the book of Luke, uh, where the man has got so much that he builds another barn and then he says, he puts his feet up. He, re- he just goes, hey, life is good. I'm just going to retire. I'm just going to enjoy the rest of my days. Uh, and God says, you fool, your, day, your life can even be called from you today. That he had all this stuff and it didn't matter. We think of the rich young ruler. He had a lot of stuff and therefore couldn't follow Jesus because it made him sad. Friends, money is a big deal in the Bible. Are you worshiping money or are you using your money? Uh, as an outflow of your worship of God. Are you using it for eternal purposes and to further Christ's kingdom or to further your own kingdom and only uh, try to give your own thing, you, you know, self-gratification and what you want? Which is it for you? 
Which is it? Jesus speaks about money over and over and over and over again. And so therefore, we must see it as a big deal. Well, coming up next, Max Lucado, the well-known pastor and author, uh, gives right, wrote something really helpful. It says Max Lucado shares three steps to loving one another despite political division. We're going to talk about that next here on The Coming Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm. Thank you for joining us today. You can follow our show on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. What we do there on our Facebook page is we post articles we discuss. We post segments up there. Uh, sometimes we post stuff that we don't even talk about on the show, but just to get interaction and conversation. Man, that place is really enjoyable. I enjoy it. Uh, it's redeemed Facebook a little bit for me, and uh, we would love to have you on there uh, you can also find old shows or bios of ours online at 1160hope.com or wherever it is you get your podcasts, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you can find your podcast. Uh, go ahead and subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. We're excited uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast. Uh, Ian Simpkins, normally here with me, is not here for the rest of this week and some of next week. Uh, Ian is uh, out doing some church business, and so... Uh, I'm holding down the fort in the first hour. If you were not with us, I had Griffin Sontag, my old college roommate, but more importantly, the uh, principal, a junior high principal at Pleasant Dale Middle School in Burr Ridge. Uh, if you were not able to listen to that, we would encourage you to go back, grab the podcast, listen to it, man. He had a lot of great stuff to share and say about kind of the next generation where he sees things heading as a principal and education and public education and all sorts of other things. What's it like to be a Christian and a principal in the public school? Uh, a lot of good stuff there. So you can go ahead and find that on the podcast. And uh, we'd love for you to do that. Well, Max Lucado, you all know who Max Lucado is. If you've been around the evangelical world for any amount of time, Uh, Lucado is the best-selling author of 32 different books. Uh, He is also the pastor of Oak Hills Church uh, down in Texas, a huge church down in Texas. And Lucado, quite the voice in evangelicalism. Uh, And the the headline to this article says this, Max Lucado shares three steps to loving one another despite political division. This is a very timely thing, man. We're 18 uh, or so months out from the next presidential election, and I am uh, dreading it (laughs) as a pastor, as just a citizen. I'm kind of dreading the rhetoric, and it feels so contentious now, uh, you know, with with. with Trump, with the Democrats, the squad and others and the rhetoric and the tweets going back and forth, then the Mueller report and everything, our, our, everything now locally uh, in Chicago and the state of Illinois. Politics uh, are so divisive at the moment. They're so emotionally charged. They're so kind of dripping with anger uh, that the question becomes, how do we as Christians uh love one another like we're called to do in scripture? How do we live day to day loving our neighbor? How do we go about uh, being good um, husbands and wives and dads and coworkers and even brothers and sisters in Christ? While uh, how do we do that uh, despite political divisions like, a, you know, in our churches, there's Republicans, there's Democrats, there's far right, far left people down the middle. Uh, people who love the president, people who can't stand the president, uh, people who will vote for him, people who would never vote for him. Uh, what do you do? How do you worship together? How do you have unity that, that kind of goes beyond 
that. So uh, that's what Max Lucado is writing about. Lucado shares three steps to loving one another despite political division. And I think this is helpful. Lucado uh, shared that he is content and happy in this season of his life, but he cannot say he's the same for the state of our society. He said he writes our society and the body of Christ, he argued, are not happy and content right now. And it bothers him greatly. His new book, How Happiness Happens, isn't due out until this fall, but with it, Lucado is on a mission to help people find lasting joy based on the teachings of Jesus. Lucado shared that the season of life that he is in right now is a great place to be, but his happiness transcends his circumstances. Uh, This is the same message he hopes society and the body of Christ will heed. Let's keep going. Although uh, Lucado is happy and content, he has a deep concern on why the body of Christ is not. It says research says that one in three people are not happy. And it concerns me during the 2016 presidential election. Lucado was not shy about stepping into controversy because he believes the state of politics affects the happiness of the people in our society. Lucado believes that our political culture and present national discourse is not helping or serving our culture well. He shared this. Our society is politically divided more than ever before. I haven't seen anything like it before, Lucado wrote. So how do we fix the division and general lack of happiness? Lucado believes there are three solutions. Let's walk through his three solutions first. Max Lucado writes that he believes that believers and non-believers, for that matter, need to hold political leaders accountable for their words and actions. Political leaders need to model civil discourse with one another, the Texas pastor wrote. In fact, in a 2016 op-ed in the Washington Post, Lucado made it clear that to him, this includes the actions of senators, of governors, and even the president as well. Secondly, Lucado says, Lucado believes that Christ followers need to love our neighbors well, even if we do not agree with them. Listen to that again. Love your neighbors well, even if you do not agree with them. He writes, there are some issues that I'm passionate about and believe that some of them are a sin. However, I'm called to love my neighbor. To Lucado, this does not mean not maintaining biblical truth, but it does mean civility. Lucado points to name calling as an example of how not to show love to your neighbor. And third, Max Lucado writes that he believes that when we see a better version of ourselves, we will truly understand the mission that God has called us to be on. That when we see and treat ourselves better, the pastor argues that we will be more likely to treat others respectively and with Christ-like love. Lucado's new book dives even deeper into this and will come out in September called How Happiness Happens. And so I think this is fascinating because we all wrestle with this. How as Christ followers, how as the church in the midst of a politically divisive, divided, emotionally charged Facebook hurling insults back and forth. How do we live out unity? I actually preached on this this Sunday out of the book of first John chapter one, that we are not called to uniformity, but we are called to unity. Ian says that often here on this show that the goal is not uniformity, that we all believe the same thing, that we all vote the same way, that we all have the same favorite team, that we all believe in the same issues Uh, That we all raise our kids the same way or whatever else it may be. The goal is not uniformity. The goal is unity. Now, except that we then major on the essentials. There are places where uniformity is needed, particularly uh, the person and work of Jesus. Right. What where is our hope found? But that within the church, there can be differences about politics and other things and still be unity like Jesus prays for in John chapter 17. And so here's my question for you, especially you people who are really emotionally charged about, around politics. 
uh, as our country gets more politically divided leading up to the election. And you know that's going to happen as we are more politically divided. Will you be a unifier or a divider even in your churches? Will you be somebody uh, who loves people, brothers and sisters in Christ because they're brothers and sisters? Or will you distance yourself from them because they might vote for a Democrat when you vote for a Republican or vice versa? Are you going to be a unifier or are you going to be one who uh, divides? Secondly, you maybe your non-Christian neighbor uh, is, is just you couldn't agree with them on anything. You know, maybe they're really liberal and you're really conservative or you're really liberal and they're really conservative. Here's my question for you. Uh, Jesus doesn't say love the neighbor that you agree with as yourself. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. So how do you do that? How are you? Now, I'm not asking kind of collective. I'm literally asking, how do you person listening to this? How are you going to love the neighbor that you disagree with? Well, is that even a priority? Uh, right. Because even non followers of Jesus are fine at loving people who they agree with and who are like them. What about the people who aren't like you? What about the people who don't believe that what you believe? What about the people who don't vote the way you vote? What about the people that don't look the way that you look? What about the people uh, who tend to bother you? What does it mean to love them well and love them as yourself? Uh, Just going to put that on your plate right there, right? Because that is called the second great commandment. The first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. Are you going to take that seriously in this next election season? Because, friends, it's going to get bad. I I think so. I don't know. Maybe I'll end up being wrong and everyone will be really civil. (laughs) But I doubt it. Like I think I'm going to need to get off of Facebook when this election gets closer because it's just going to get out of control. But I, I fear for the church. While we don't need uniformity, we need unity. Are you going to be a unifier? within the walls of your church, within that family, that faith family, but then also with your neighbors, with your coworkers. It's a great opportunity for us, friends. It's a great opportunity, but one that I fear uh, we are not going to do well with. Well, coming up next here on The Common Good, uh, I want to tell you about just a little uh, revelation I had while getting my oil changed today. That's what we're going to talk about next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, uh, running solo today as Ian Simpkins is out of town doing some church work. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show online at 1160hope.com. You can always find our podcasts uh, wherever it is you find your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate those of you who uh, do that. Uh, the weekend is just about upon us, John. We're there. You got any big plans? That's our producer over there. John, got any big plans for the weekend? To do absolutely nothing. Oh, come on. You're too young to do absolutely nothing. How old are you? <laughs> 25, Come man. on. Quarter you're century, supposed to man. be out late. You're supposed to be doing, you're running, well, you're I, getting I up early up late, to run. I stay, late, I stay up late anyway. I, I've kind of learned to do that. I might regret this college. question, but you stay up late doing what? Uh, Video games? I do love playing Zelda. Zelda's like Stop. one of my... Oh, dude. Zelda... That's awesome. Single best game probably I've ever played. I grew up on The Legend of Zelda, Nintendo. Yeah. But... The Breath of the Wild's the uh, best one yet. All right. Um, I, I write music, play music, and stuff like that, so I, I kind of take... I, I find that my most uh, solitude I get during the day 
is at night. Oh, okay. I get the most. I gotten the most work done. I scored an entire movie. <laughs> nice. Are you a, are you a late sleeper or do you get up pretty early? I used to be, but I since working here, uh, graduating high school last uh, high school. Congratulations! Since graduating <laughs> college college last year, uh, I I wake up no later than nine thirty. Do you know what that's called? What being an adult. Yeah, that's called being an adult. Oh, dude, so you have no idea. Are you? Oh, uh, you totally have an idea. Are you leading worship uh, at your church this week? Uh, this week, no. I'm I'm on camera this week, camera okay. duty. But the first two weeks of August, for sure. That's I, awesome. I usually man. do two weeks on, two weeks off. Well, that that's is that is fabulous. Well, uh, I wanted to share earlier today. Uh, I did something that. Speaking of being an adult, I went and got my oil changed, and. Um, you might be out there thinking, well, why didn't you just change your own oil? The answer to that question is because I don't have the slightest idea how. And uh, I'm, I am one of the least handy guys, you know, but when it comes to cars, I know next to nothing. So I've got friends that I call to be like, hey, the, the mechanic said I need to do this. Do I need to do this? Yes, you do. Okay, good. But I'm that type of guy that they can really... Uh, they they can pull a lot of stuff over. How about you, John? You uh, you a car guy? Well, uh, I didn't have to be until last week. Fun story. I know I'm kind of we're getting on a rabbit trail. I had to change a tire on the side of I ninety. I can do that. I've changed a tire. Yeah. Did you blow it on I ninety? Yes, going about eighty miles an hour. Uh, Coming th- home from this very station, there is something called triple A. Yeah. Uh, didn't feel like sitting on the side of a highway waiting for it, and I had the jack, I had the tire, and I'm like, you know, let's just do it. I did it in like seven minutes. I, fastest I've ever done something and the most terrified I've ever been doing anything. It's on the side of the highway. I once had to do that yeah. outside of New York City on Route 80. That was never fun. But anyway, no. I do not know how to change my own oil. So I went to Jiffy Lube, got an oil change today and, uh, you know, sitting there and they call you out and I'm going to do what all pastors do. I'm going to take a very common occurrence and I'm going to try to turn it um, spiritual and, and try to challenge us a little bit today. Uh, he was asking me which oil I wanted. And again, I feel like I'm getting ripped off, but we, we worked it out and I had a coupon. So it worked out very well. And uh, he was explaining one of them. And he said this particular oil uh, helps not allow sludge to build up, which is just such a cool word, right? Sludge, um, but not good for your car. And uh, one of my past cars, I did not take care of well enough. And I think it was sludge and stuff that really kind of was the demise of it. But keeping it tuned up, keeping the oil fresh, and then getting rid of the sludge. And I had this moment of thinking, man, isn't that a great picture, somewhat of a parable uh, of the Christian life? And that is this. uh, First of all, it's this concept of maintenance. So the reason I went and got my oil changed is because the little light on my on my dashboard was telling me you need to get your oil changed, uh, change your oil. And then I looked at the little sticker on my window and I was past the mileage that I was supposed to go get it done. And uh, so I went and got my oil changed. So the question is this. Uh, are you the person out there? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, what are those lights on your dashboard, if you will, that make you realize, oh, I've got some work to do. There are things going wrong. Are any of those lights on right now? Uh, maybe it's uh, cynicalness and bitterness, or maybe it's sinfulness. Maybe it's, no, I don't go to church anymore. I've kind of done this. What are those indicator lights that are that are kind of screaming at you? You need to, you got some work that needs to be done. What are those indicator lights? And then are you the type of person that gets the, uh, you, you can see me air quoting uh, on the radio here, what are, what does maintenance look like for you? Are there people in your life who will ask you the hard questions? Are there, uh, are you part of a church 
that is going to help you, that's helping you grow and helping you wrestle and helping you do things. Um, are you reading your Bible? What what does maintenance look like for you where you look in the mirror and you go, you know what? I have been kind of sliding. I have been kind of apathetic. Uh, but now, you know, I, I've got these one or two or three people in my life who are going to help me much the way these guys at Jiffy Lube, they could look at my car and say, here's the oil it needs. They could tell me what it was, where it goes, or your mechanic who can tell you what's wrong and help fix it. Uh, who are those uh, people in your life, because man, that's going to be uh, really important. Put you on a spot, John. How about yourself? What are who are the people who help you do maintenance? What are those things that when you're like, you know what, apathy setting in? What other else? What does maintenance look like for you? I'll give you a, like a quick uh, testimony. In a I'm bottle. ready for it. I'm ready so for it. After our graduate, well, while I was at Western, there's almost no fellowship out there. Okay, I'll just say that first things first, and I felt myself absolutely alone without uh, my accountability partners and stuff like that. And you're mentioning your mechanic and let's just say your dentist or your general physician or whatever. Those are your accountability partners in life. They're the ones who tell you, hey, uh, you are a bit overweight. You need to lose some weight. uh, A trainer. I'm going to have to send you to an allergist because uh, you're you're reacting differently to this medication or something. Something to keep you in line, keep you check. And you're talking about oil change. You get that done every, what, three months? Sure. Maybe three months, 3,000 miles. I think that's the general of the older engines. I need an oil change every day, uh, yes. man. Yeah. Like coming back here, I dove back into the church as much as I could after, after college. And I, I'm in a life group. That We call it a life group. It's our yep, small yep. group, our men's group. I dove back into worship. And I'm telling you, this like every other day accountability and engaging and becoming friends with wholehearted on fire Christians yep. was the single best oil change I've ever had. That's good. I mean, it, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. So my, my, my weakness is reading. Mm-hmm. I don't dive into the word enough. I don't read, um, encouraging books enough. I, mm-hmm. I, I watch content and stuff like that, you know, like Ch- Chad Veach or Rick, Wil- Rich, Rick Wilkerson. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Like they, they have good, encouraging, quick, um, you know, accountability checks mm-hmm. that they, they post. And I love watching that, but I, I have a, uh, a weakness of not reading. Yeah. So I have people that just keep me in line with doing that. That's great. And then the, the, the other thing I realized on my oil change here is um, it was this concept of sludge. And I, I it's, it's really, um, it, it paints a picture and sometimes I feel like stuff builds up in my life, whether it's cynicism, uh, bitterness, it might be for you, unforgiveness. You can't help it. Sometimes uh, and it this, just happens. Yeah, this kind of spiritual sludge uh, builds up. And so here's what I want to leave you with before we get into just the insanity of the way we end every show. Uh, what are you going to do uh, to make sure that that spiritual sludge, and I could be making some leaps here. This is what us pastors do, but what are you going to do so that spiritual sludge doesn't build up? That's kind of what I was thinking of as they were talking to me at the oil chains. He's, he was describing what sludge does. And I know so many people who used to just have just a, just kind of a radiant love for Jesus who now they're, they're kind of cynical uh, for good reasons, bitter for good reasons. Uh, they're, they're, doing things they shouldn't do. And in that, that picture of sludge, I thought was really good. Maybe you don't think it's a good one, but man, that that's a powerful one to me. And so, yeah, I guess I had a little bit of a spiritual moment at Jiffy Lube today. And it's another reminder that God is at work and God is at work in all places. But uh, I would like you to wrestle with those questions before we just do the insanity from the internet. 
I'd like you to wrestle with some of those. Has spiritual sludge, has sludge built up in your life? And if it has, what are you going to do about it? Uh, the Holy Spirit is at work and, and, and other people can help. But what are you going to do? Uh, or don't you care? Or don't you care? Uh, spiritual sludge. Uh, something, I lo- something I thought about while at the Jiffy Loop today. Well, uh, before we close up shop for the weekend... Uh, we got one more thing to do, and that's just the crazy stories we found from the internet. So we're going to do that next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, flying solo a little bit today, uh, as Ian Simpkins is out. Um, We end the show the same way. Uh, each time, uh, and that is just craziness that we have found on the internet. Uh, not we have found, but our producer, our executive producer, uh, things that they have found on the internet. And, uh, you know, we make that our little disclaimer because we don't want to be blamed for what you're about to hear. And so when you hear them, we are reading them for the very first time. And uh, hopefully this gives you some laughs as we heading to the weekend. So uh, here we go. Let's start. And we always start in Florida. Florida never ceases to disappoint, never disappoints us. A Florida man was arrested for bare naked burglary. Uh, a Pasco County man was arrested early Wednesday morning after deputies say he broke into a Lando Lakes home completely naked. 33 year old Jonathan Whitney was arrested by Pasco deputies after a brief chase through Lake Paget Estates. The homeowner, who only wanted to identify himself as Ron, described waking up to the stark naked stranger asleep in his garage as unnerving. I don't know what time he got there, but he's real sorry he came into my house. Neither investigators or Ron know why Whitney was naked. He apparently left no trace of his own clothing inside the garage. Uh, Around 6 a.m., Ron says he walked into his garage and noticed a case of beer left out on the garage couch. There's your answer. He then turned around to discover the naked man asleep in the fetal position on the bench. I said, for God's sake, put some clothes on. <laughs> the Simpsons never, uh, they never disappoint us. Never the- fails. Connecticut, 300 pound bell stolen from church being demolished. Police are looking for the thieves who made off with a 300 pound century old bell from a demolition project at the Nativity of the Holy Virgin Orthodox Church. The bronze bell, the smallest of three that used to ring from the church for more than a century, was stored on the property as workers demolished the church. Thieves first came in June to steal scrap metal from the site and then took the bell uh, by breaking into a storage container. They cut it with a die grinder, well said. Obviously, they had tools. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> That's really funny. You ever watch Scrubs? No, I, I was just about to say I have no. no idea where that was from. Yeah, I think it was Dr. Kelso from Scrubs. He's kind of like the comic relief, but super sarcastic, super dry humor. That was all. really funny. Yeah. Indiana, woman charged with stealing and using a wom- another woman's dentures. Authorities have charged a woman with stealing a set of dentures from another woman and using them as her own. Uh, According to the police, a woman in the country Squire Lakes area reported on Monday that her dentures had been stolen by another woman. The victim said the woman, Joanne Childers, was wearing the dentures. That same day, another deputy spoke with a Jennings County probation officer who said he had met with Childers and that she had been wearing dentures that were clearly not hers. The probation officer believed the dentures were stolen. 
When a deputy spoke with Childers today at her home, he saw the stolen dentures with the name of the victim written on the inside in plain view. The dentures were recovered, and the sheriff's office said Childers is facing a theft charge. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles (laughs) with you. That and she's gross. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, Illinois, here we go. Jimmy John's delivery driver caught on camera putting mouth on drink. A Jimmy John's delivery driver was caught on camera apparently putting his mouth on a customer's drink before delivering it in northwest Chicago suburb. Homeowner, homeowner Emily Brem said video from a ring doorbell captured the incident just seconds before her order was handed off. Video showed the worker carrying a box and holding a drink as the delivery driver stands at her front door. He appears to put his face on the cup. Brem said her 12-year-old saw the video and made the disturbing discovery. My son came upstairs and said, just so you know, the delivery guy licked your drink, Brem said. And she immediately contacted the store. The Algonquin Jimmy John's franchisee said in a statement that the behavior seen in this video is not consistent with the standards expected from our employees. And we've taken appropriate action. Hope no it fired. We formally retrained our employees on food safety and have made it right with the customer. The store added that Brems was being refunded for her order. That's good. But Brem said she has not yet received a refund. She also said she received an email suggesting the employee could get his job back with her blessings. Jimmy Johns did not say if the employee had been fired. Just uh, threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, that's all. It seems really to be gross. not uh, uncommon. Yeah, no, like, it's I mentioned. Gross. I think I mentioned last week. I knew I knew one of my friends. He's not the brightest. He was fired from DoorDash because he was caught taking a sip out of a milkshake, delivering it to one of his. And customers desire des, uh, deserve to be fired. That is like, crazy. Come on. Like, are you are you insane? And people, here's the other thing: people should just assume you're being videoed at all times. Yeah. Last one: South Dakota got the spider. Couple's photo of demolished home goes viral. <laughs> a South Dakota couple decided to demolish their home, but they had a little fun with their decision. The Argus leader reported Jeff Hopkins and his girlfriend Dawn Cronk decided to tear down their home to build a bigger home to have room to play with their grandchildren. After tearing down half of it, the two decided to write something funny on the roof with spray paint. I didn't think anybody would really notice. We did it just to make us laugh. But the picture that says, got the spider painted on the side of the home has now gone viral. It's been shared 60,000 times after Joshua Bowl was driving down the road and snapped the photo. After the photo went viral, dozens of people stopped by to see it and snapped their own photo. The couple said many are sharing their own site spider-killing mishap stories with them, and they're happy that they were able to make somebody smile for the day. There's no spider here, but I will hunt down the alleged arachnid and spread some to kingdom come. <laughs> that's a good one. Well, that's all the hilarity for the day. We've hoped you, you've enjoyed it. If you missed any of the show, you can find it at our podcast. We hope you all have a great weekend. My name is Brian Fromm, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.